good idea. Good morning, guys. How are you? It's good. It's really good to be with you guys. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Haley Aka. I am um, serving on the board of Central Vineyard Church, and I have a really quick announcement, um, not really an announcement, an update and a reminder for us all this morning. But first, I want to say thank you to all of you. Um, I want to say thank you for all the ways that you've shown up and engaged and been present over the last several weeks. We had our congregational meetings two weeks ago where we sat in circle tables in here and talked about um, our current church and the future of our church. That was such an encouragement to me and I know others that I've spoken with. Um, you've also, several of you have filled out the survey um, that asked those exact same questions. It, you have um, engaged one-on-one -on -one with us. We've gotten to meet with quite a few of you and speak with you and know where your hearts are um, in this season. And we have just so appreciated, I have appreciated your time and your voice um, in these last few weeks. Here's the update. The staff and the board are chatting over the next couple weeks. We're rolling up all the things that we've heard from each of you in all these different venues, and we're going to be pulling out some key themes, the things that we're hearing consistently from you guys about the things that you love about Central Vineyard, the unique gifts, passions, calling of our church, and the opportunities that we have to grow in this next chapter. And we're going to come back here in a couple of weeks and share those insights back out with all of you. Um, those opportunities that you all are identifying, those are going to inform the next steps of this discernment process for our church leadership. Um, and we don't, know, we don't know exactly where we're headed. We don't know exactly what it'll look like come January 1, um, but we're thankful to be discerning that alongside you guys. This morning, I also just want to acknowledge that we're in the midst of a lot of change in our church. We're adjusting still to the idea that Jeff won't be our lead pastor come January 1. We are in the midst of this transition discernment process about what leadership will look like in the new year. Um, and so we're thinking about change a lot. Um, our friends from the Abbey are here. You guys are experiencing a lot of change. Um, and we had some changes on our staff of the church this week. And each of us are coming to church today with our own questions, um, perhaps some concerns, maybe some hopes, some ideas about what we think should be next or what could be next for us. And what I want you to hear from me is not only are your questions important and valid, but they're critical, they're essential to this next few months together, that we would walk through it with um, intention, with integrity, and with love for each other in this process. So please, please, with that being said, we want to hear from you. Anything that you have to share with us, we want to hear from you. Um, and I'm going to ask my friends who are on the staff of Central Vineyard Church to please stand up, and I'm going to ask my friends who also serve on the board with me to please stand up so that you can see these faces again 
We sent an email out. Um, it's the regular CV weekly update email. It went out yesterday, and this week it had all of our contact information. Thanks, guys. So all these folks, you have our email addresses. You have my email address. Um, we can't wait to, to dig in more with you, um, to talk about things more with you. And, and I'll acknowledge, too, in this season of a lot of change and transition, if just some connection, a coffee, a porch hang, if just like being with some people would feel good, I'm so down for that, too. Um, okay. That's it. That was your reminder, is that we're available and we love you. Um, and I just want to tell you, Central Vineyard, that I love you. I adore you. Um, this is my family's home. And you guys are our beloved community. And I am just so grateful to be walking through this tender season of change with you guys. So, thanks. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, I, I often am a person with some chaotic thoughts, and this is one of the people I love hanging out with because I feel like my thoughts are so much smarter when I'm with people like you who can winsomely bring structure and order to things. Anyway, I want to introduce people that don't need to be introduced because most of you know them, but Rachel Louise. I want to say something. I'm just so, I've been looking forward to them because a lot of you have approached me and saying, you know, we love hearing Rachel preach, but we, need, we want to hear Louise preach more as well. And they're like, well, we want to preach more together too. And I just want to say, uh, most of you know this, but I, I met Luis when he was doing a gap year with my son many years ago. And long before he ever had even been to Columbus, or I think even heard of a Columbus other than Ian, our family's lives was being blessed by your humble authenticity, your prophetic voice, your zero pretense, and major... Jesus Christ mojo going on, and then Rachel, you guys are well suited for each other, and now I'm excited that little baby is coming along, and I'll refrain uh, from calling your baby, baby Jeffrey, I think that ship has sailed, but uh, I just wanted you guys to know I trust these guys with my life, and uh, I hope they can bring encouragement to your life today. Thank you, Jeff. Good morning, everyone. My name is Luis, and if I haven't met you, I would love to get to know you more. Um, I'm so grateful for being here with you this morning. I'm really grateful to see your, your faces, and I'm very grateful to get to preach alongside with my dear wife and child. Not that my wife is my child, just to clarify that. There's a child in there. <laughs> I know, I just had to, I don't know, make it a little bit weird. But yeah, anyway, we've been going through the book of Matthew for the past year, and last week Jake taught on Matthew 12. He did a fantastic job explaining um, the way that Jesus emphasizes God's love of our creation over man's, how did I write it? Over man's creation of love. So God loves his creation more than he loves the creation that of law. I keep getting confused about that. But he gave the example, Jake gave the example in the way that Christians, we so often end up focusing more on uh, meaningless things like which version of the Bible is better and holier, which political party is actually Christian or not. I don't think that matters at all. And... <clears throat> He made a lot of points, Jake made, made a lot of points that made a lot of sense to me personally. Um, he talked about how it is entirely possible to 
be super religious, know every single written word of the Bible, left and right, every single story, every single law, every single requirement, and still miss the plot of the story of what Jesus was and is doing in our midst. He, Jake talked about Sabbath, 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 there we go. And he used this verse in Matthew 12, verse 7. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jake explained that the way that Jesus emphasized that the Sabbath is more about doing, I mean, more about being than doing, um, how your value, my value, is found in who we are rather than what we produce. Our value is found in who we are more than what we produce. And uh, we, are the Im we are image bearers, and we bear the image of our living God. That's who each individual of you are. You bear the image of Christ. You bear the image of God. And there's this verse that I wanted to share with you all this morning that is very encouraging to me. Um, just thinking about this, of who I am in Christ. And it's in Isaiah chapter 43, and I'm reading off of the message version. Um, and it says, Don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it will not be dead end. I am your God, your personal God, your Savior. Isaiah keeps on writing, and it carries on to say, I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade creation just for you. I don't know, it's just so encouraging to hear um, someone the Creator, saying this to me personally, I would sell off the creation just for you. Before we continue, I would like to slow us down a little bit and pray. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence this morning. God, would you breathe and move and fall on us? Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our knowledge, so that the plot of your story isn't lost. Let there be more of you and less of us. Amen. And today we're reading off of Matthew 13 from uh, verse 1 to, 30, to 23, and this is the Living Translation. Hi, friends. Again, if I haven't met you, I'm Rachel, and I would love to meet you. This is Matthew 13, 1 through 23, New Living Translation. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. And he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. 
Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are you, blessed are your eyes because they see, and your hearts because they hear, or your ears because they hear. I guess your heart can hear too. I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you'd see, but they didn't see it, and they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. This is the word of God. There we go. Um, yeah, so this set of parables that we're starting today uh, is at the center of Matthew's gospel and um, Jesus' parables of the kingdom's present state explain why Jesus' kingdom comes first in a hidden way and why Israel's leaders reject Jesus. Just as Jake was talking last week, Jesus went from being just a nuisance to being a threat to the um, to the system that prioritized law over life. These parables dramatically reinforce that Jesus' first coming was not coercive. It wasn't a military coup. It was not the winning of an intellectual argument. He came as the meek burden bearer, and the meek could recognize him and follow him. Or only the meek could recognize and follow him. Those parables to me represent the way that the kingdom of God is at hand, the way that uh, the kingdom teaches us to love one another, to bring justice, 
to bring care, dignity, life, you name it. And there's so many examples of people hurting each other in the name of God, using the Bible as their, I don't know, tool really. Such as big things like uh, very conservative backed uh, lawmakers writing policies that are <clears throat> killing migrants, essentially, to uh, things that feel a little bit more passive that are still very present on, like, on a daily basis. And uh, to explain it better, there, I, I, I just recently heard this comedian, Christian comedian, John Christ, talking about this. But in my mind, it made a whole lot of sense. So uh, this comedian in a show asked a bunch of people to write the things they were not permitted to watch as kids because they weren't Christian enough. So uh, I'm going to read a few of them. <clears throat> Some people wrote that they couldn't watch Bambi because it didn't support hunting or the Second Amendment. I know, right? That's poof. Um, someone couldn't listen to ACDC because a church lady told them it stood for anti-Christian devil children. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harry Potter, witchcraft, the Smurfs, communism, My Little Pony, satanic. <laughs> My favorite of all, Bill Nye, someone just wrote, Bill Nye, science. My personal story behind this is I couldn't watch Pokemon because my parents thought it was demonic. So here I was, little brown Louise in the 90s, trying to watch Pokemon, but then getting in trouble for it. They don't think that anymore, luckily, thank God. And now my nephew gets to uh, reap the benefits of pain. my pain. <laughs> so as we continue to read through the parables, the main topic of them to me, at least, it feels like it's God's generous love that pursues us all, including the lost, the least, the weak, the wrongdoers, the righteous, everyone, no strings attached. And as we continue reading this chapter, uh, the parables wrap up with Jesus in Nazareth, and uh, he's rejected by his own people, by his own town. Craig Keener, the, in his commentary notes, he writes that the implication is that true disciples, those who follow the kingdom's message, must be prepared to pay the ultimate price for doing so. I dislike that, but I feel like it's kind of true at the same time. And it's uh, interesting to me the way that Jesus' listeners, they, they were used on uh, hearing the message through parables. So Jesus telling parables wasn't like, wow, this is groundbreaking, this is new. And in the rabbinic literature, the mashal specifically includes the kind of story parables told by Jesus. So what, in, what is interesting about this is that these parables told by rabbis would often uh, be in settings such as uh, like royal courts. 
like these big settings that the common hearer would not be a part of. So Jesus' parables would often be told with a more um, relevant places to and, and, and stories to his hearers. Most rabbinic parables would reinforce conventional values and beliefs, yet Jesus is uh, con contradicted all of these values, not all of these values, but conventional values that uh, the, the rabbis would teach on. Just an example, the Sabbath. Um, and just as a way that Jake explained it last week, uh, Jesus prioritized creation over law. Jesus' parables are also far more apt to emphasize eschatology, which is the manner in which God's kingdom comes. You could distinguish parables according to their main theme or point, which would be the repentance and forgiveness, the trust in God, and extraordinary trust in taking high risks for the kingdoms. For the kingdom. There you go. As Jesus shared this parable, the sower is portraying God's generosity. He's portraying God's generous spirit by like, being able to spread um, seed everywhere. And I think that we cannot know the condition of the hearts of those who are listening. For example, those who heard the gospel and still rejected Jesus, like Paul, or all of the Roman soldiers that killed Christians and still heard the gospel, took it to their heart, and ended up being martyrs in the catacombs, just for the sake of the gospel. I don't know if you've heard this from Jeff and A before, but when we've expressed doubt on our knowledge of theology, one thing that I've really appreciated that they repeat so often to us is, you don't need a master's, a PhD, or any other type of degree in theology because the best theology training you can have is your own life, <laughs> your own learning and understanding of life with Christ. Our life in Christ is like that Ram, Ram, Ram Das quote. We're all just walking each other home. We're all broken individuals trying to follow Christ. As I share the last bit of my part, I, want, I wanted to share this song that I really love and feel like it embodies the human experience of following Christ, um, in which we acknowledge that we are God's creation, that we're broken, that we have feelings, that we have problems, that our mind isn't fully there at times, that we mess up, that we do good. Everything, all of the human experience 
And it's a song called uh, the Corinthian song. And it says this, I am troubled, but not distressed, perplexed, but not in despair. I'm a vessel full of power with a treasure none can compare. Persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. I'm a vessel full of power. I've got treasure from the Lord. Thank you, Father, for your power. It has resurrected me. Oh, the painful circumstances that my poor soul could not flee. Bruised and battered, but not broken. Born in sin, but from sin set free. I'm a vessel full of power. I've got treasure inside of me. Amen. It's my turn. All right, so there were just a few things that I felt God highlighting to me as we were preparing for this sermon together. Um, and the first thing that I felt highlighted was how many people were awaiting, that were awaiting the Messiah to come, <laughs> were seeking out how God was going to use his kingdom to separate the righteous versus the wicked. They were seeking justice, which when you're in pain and you're oppressed, like, of course you're seeking justice. And we're waiting for the kingdom of God to defend them in the ways that they've been wrong. They wanted condemnation for those who had hurt them, that have caused famine and poverty towards their bodies and souls. They longed for the day that they, the righteous, of course, would be set free from oppression and their enemies, the wicked, would be severely punished. As people were listening to Jesus' parables, they were waiting to hear this message. They were expecting this message from God. The Messiah has finally come. I am ready to hear what I want to hear. But instead, what they heard was different than what they expected, which in a lot of the parables and a lot of the teachings of Jesus, a lot of times they're different than what we expected, sometimes not what we want. <laughs> um, and of course, Jesus wants justice for victims. We all want justice for victims and liberation for the oppressed and for the wicked, quote-unquote, the wicked. There's not a lot of discussion over who is righteous versus who is wicked, but that's not the point. It's who, righteous or wicked, is willing to yield themselves to the love of God, to the kindness and the gentleness of God by letting it create in us and in others, the good soil that they're talking about in the parable. And there's ways that we can yield to this. There's parts that we have to play in this process as well. And we can do that through healthy submission. This can be to spiritual direction, to counseling, to healthy submission to community and others, um, to God's nudging in our lives and his patience and kindness and just all of the beautiful, beautiful characteristics that God shows us through the life of Jesus. Um, it's to make opportunities for our flourishing and well-being because we become good soil through submission to God's love and to the heart of the kingdom. And it's as well as our openness to let God's truth grow in our lives. And then the second thing that stuck out to me about the parable of the sower was the farmer. Um, outwardly, it seems so reckless the way that he's scattering seed. He would know better than to scatter seed on the soil that has thorns and rocks or on the pathway. There are surfaces that he knows very well have no opportunity for flourishing and their greatest potential. 
seemed really irresponsible <laughs> and a wasteful move, all of the seed that could become something with fruit or flourishing for him to just scatter it wherever. Um, but I think Jesus is making a point here that the point isn't about wasting the seed. Um, that the point is that the seeds of the kingdom are never wasted and never become unavailable. Yes, allowing God to cultivate in our life fertile soil is an important walk in our life with Jesus, but the seed, to me, when I'm reading this, is the blessing that God is recklessly pouring over us at all times. Whether we find our soil, quote-unquote, whether it's filled with thorns and rocks, whether it's fertile, ready for planting. That's the goodness and the kindness of God, is that he's willing to share those seeds of his goodness with us. Um, and it's also having hope and faith that the seeds will stick somewhere and have the opportunity to flourish in whichever way it's received, whether we receive it with joy and it grows quickly and then it goes away, whether it withers in the hot sun, <laughs> um, just that the seed will flourish in whichever way it's received. And that's the part of the mystery of the kingdom that we often don't know the effect it'll have, whether that's us spreading God's love or the words of the kingdom or whether that's God to us, that we can have the trust that we're, we're sharing it, that it'll stick somewhere, somehow, no matter how it flourishes. Um, so as I was researching for this, I was, you know, looking up all of the different times soil is used in scripture. You know, the, the fun things about sermon prepping, you're like, let me just plug this word in there, see what I can find. And the first reference that came up was the creation story when God created man in Genesis. It says, the Lord God formed the man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that man became a living being. So let us not forget that we are made from the soil and that God continues to cultivate that soilness, not soiledness. Hopefully you're not, you know, soiling yourselves anymore. <laughs> I mean, it does happen as an adult, so. Anyways, inappropriate. That God continues to cultivate this soilness in our lives with his loving kindness and truth when we humbly submit to God's work in us. So to end our time together, before we move into worship and communion, I want to pray together, and I want to share another area of this section of Matthew. I think we're singing confession song, right? I love confession song. It's such a beautiful, I don't know, just, what's the word? I don't know. Confession, there you go. It's a beautiful thing that we've incorporated into the life of our church is using it every week as a reminder no, Kelly, not right now. <laughs> um, as a reminder just of our brokenness and our need for God. And so I want to read this part of Matthew, and then I want to pray together. It says, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has been calloused, become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn that I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you did, but did not see it, 
and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come before you today, we confess that the calluses of our heart need to be removed. This is something that we know can only be done by the loving kindness, gentleness, and patience that you have for us. Grant us the desire to trust those calluses and woundings into your healing hands. Make our hearts soft and receptive to you again, to your healing, to your kindness, to your patience. Cultivate in us the ability and the desire to see, to see the beauty of your creation around us and in us, to see those hurting around us, and to offer them in generosity the seeds of the abundance of life with you, the seeds of hope of the kingdom. Cultivate in us the ability and desire to truly hear your voice, the love that is being spoken over us, the love that is spoken over the world and the truth you have to offer us. God, be the sower and allow our lives to flourish. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9 says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Amen. So we're going to take communion together this morning. Um, I just want to note that the crackers are gluten-free, and the... The blood of Christ is grape juice. So everyone's welcome. There's also individually wrapped wafers and grape juice as well. Um, so yeah, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it. Sharing with his disciples who walked with him as friends, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat. Then he took the cup and shared it with his friends and his betrayer abundantly saying, this is my blood shed for you. Take it and drink. You may come and receive communion if you feel invited to.